Welcome to Bards of Gaming. This is music by Josie Breckner, aka Visager Music, for the game Extreme Meat Punks Forever, powered by blood. Episode 3 of Bards of Gaming. I am Elijah Fish. Super happy today to be joined by Josie Breckner, aka Visager Music. Thanks so much for joining me and being on the podcast, Josie. Oh, thanks for having me, Elijah. Um, it's really nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Do you want to start by just telling us a bit about yourself and how you got into music? Any big inspirations or what was what was your road into the music and composition life like? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, I, I guess I feel like I kind of came into things late late on the late side um uh, i studied like political science in college and thought i wanted to go into marketing and then like as i was getting ready to graduate and have a beautiful profound career in marketing um i started to like sabotage all these interviews i was giving uh for like jobs this was out in chicago at the time Mm -hmm. and I had been doing like music production like a little bit on the side and I had like made one album that like wasn't very good, but it was fun. (laughs) Um, And so I took some advice from like a family friend and also I think tried to do a better job of listening to my gut and felt like I took like a pretty hard left turn and was like, okay, actually, I think I'm just going to move to Brooklyn. I'll get a day job um, and I'll just start making music. and I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. I thought I could like just put out some albums and then start playing some shows and then just make things happen. Um, but I wasn't writing stuff that I felt like super awesome about still. And I, you know, in a lot of ways was finding, I think my voice, um, uh, I had started doing more composition stuff around that time. Like this is now like 2014 ish, um, for like theater projects and like some like YouTube web series and things like that. Um, but, uh, among all that, I just really missed video game music. And like, it was something I hadn't ever thought about putting a lot of focus and time into specifically. But as I started to sort of think through and figure out what exactly I wanted, uh, I was able to sort of focus in a little bit more directly. And I think, having a stronger focus for me was really helpful. So uh, I guess like around that time I started making stuff that I thought was like more stylistically video gaming music, uh, which then ultimately like led me to getting my first jobs. Um, it was kind of through putting that stuff out online, um, which is still kind of weird and serendipitous and uh, hard to believe that that like worked because it seems like a long shot plan, but um, it's working, I guess, at least for now. <laughs> yeah, so cool. And does does <laughs> that mean, are you mostly self-taught musically? Uh, like, yes and no. Um, I grew up playing drums and saxophone. Um, nice. Uh, I started playing drums in third grade, and then my dad told me that I should learn a real instrument, <laughs> um, uh, which is kind of messed up, but by learning some saxophone and playing in band and stuff i learned how to read music and got a sense of like more classical stuff and some jazz band stuff Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that's what started to get me down a path of like listening to like a much broader range of music than i might have otherwise and that like i think is, is a pretty formative time for me um uh i've only like recently been like formally studying music theory so most of the stuff i've written really before this year is like based on lessons I've learned just by like listening to things and I guess doing my own research and my own reading. 
um, in a much more informal way. So did you have any big inspirations when you were either in your early formative years or when you were really getting getting into music and composition? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in high school, my music tastes um, maybe uh, were not the most refined. Uh, I listened to a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers um, and like Stadium Arcadium. Um, and sometimes like, these days when I stumble into like a random chord progression from like that album, it's like hilarious. And, um, I try not to feel like ashamed of where I came from, I guess. <laughs> um, not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if anyone can look back on their high school years and think my musical tastes were really refined in those <laughs> days. Uh, I hung out with like a lot of like metalheads and got exposed to stuff through them uh i guess was more into like prog gear mm -hmm. stuff like i listened to a lot of dream theater mm -hmm. in high school too and like muse was really big for me any tool in there uh i actually like just missed it i listened <laughs> to a perfect circle nice yes um but yeah i feel like there's just always been big gaps um the other like on the other side of things i listened to a lot of like folk music records that my dad had and a lot of like my dad's you know kind of post hippie like fusion rock dad music kind <laughs> of stuff so bands like spirit or Joni mitchell um leo kaki was mm -hmm. like this guitarist that he was really into cool um yeah so nice um yeah, yeah spirit's great everything oh yeah i feel like a lot of people haven't heard of them because they never were like very big outside of their decade yeah um I, th I only know like a couple songs but i know they there was kind of this whole scandal about the stairway to heaven riff that they had written a very similar oh, riff yeah. um well uh, they were touring with led zeppelin in those years i think somewhere yeah. along those lines yeah i don't know which album's on so i really listened to like their best of album which i would totally recommend mm -hmm. uh, best of spirit cool it has like 10 songs that are all extremely good and very different nice so speaking of like folky kind of genres, can we talk about some of your recent exciting projects you got going on? Seems like you've had a pretty busy year. Yeah. Um, uh, there's There's been a lot of hype about one project in particular, Extreme Meat Punks Forever. Can you tell us a bit about that? Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I would love to. Um, so uh, for those who haven't heard, um, Extreme uh, Meat Punks Forever is a, uh, a sort of, queer like dystopian visual novel slash mech brawler about four gay disasters uh on the worst road trip of all time running from the cops and punching neo-nazis off of cliffs <laughs> in their mech suits made out of meat that's awesome so it yeah it was a really good project elijah um i still like feel really lucky to have been able to work with um a lot of cool devs on it um mm -hmm. just because it is like so unabashedly what it was and um, very experimental. And uh, Heather, who brought me on, um, was just like extremely supportive of doing weird stuff with the music. And I think that made it so much stronger.
Heather had a really strong cl- clear vision for the kinds of sound she wanted included. And so like my job as composer was really fun in terms of just figuring out how all these things could work together and build a cohesive musical universe. Um, and I hope we succeeded. Uh, uh, definitely like as we worked on the project more, I feel like we got to know, and I feel like this, this is kind of like cliche composer talk, but we got to understand like what the, what the music wanted to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I, f- I feel like in games, you know, the games can be such a just living beast that they become their own creature or their own thing that everyone involved in creating it kind of has to navigate and discover what it wants to be in a way as well. Yeah, totally. And especially with uh, Meat Punks in particular, um, we were rele- releasing it episodically. So the first episodes came out in mid-July and we just finally released the last episode um, after like a little break. So with a span of several months after the game had started coming out, um, we got to shape it a little bit to like audiences' reactions. And yeah, there was like some some time built into the way that it was released, if that makes sense. Yeah, like getting some some player feedback and all that. and Yeah, feedback and just like sort of sitting with the songs maybe a little bit more. Um, it's like one thing when the music is like kind of all existing inside your head and it's like a very different feeling when you have a chance to like see how people are responding to things um, and then go back and write more. Sure. Like that is like a really lucky thing that I don't think many games get to do, so to speak. And so did you, for that game, did you get to score a bit of story-driven cinematic type things as well as some gameplay uh, music? Yes. Well, I mean, everything's kind of all combined. Um, mm-hmm. The If you play through the game, basically, they're the story-focused sections where you're uh, acting as all the characters and picking the dialogue. Um, and then there are like the mech brawling sections where that's like more kind of video gamey, uh, like almost like Atari, like top-down brawling action. Um, And so the music kind of just rolls throughout these different things and um, uh, helps underscore those. was that she wanted there to be a really solid motivic backbone so like one main music motif that could run throughout pretty much the whole game um uh she had been listening to a lot of the uh adventure zone soundtrack um and that was something i had listened to through listened through too and uh that does a great job having the sort of central egg theme um that they use uh and just in general, I mean, I think it makes soundtracks a lot stronger when you are able to use and reuse um, uh, like a musical idea in that way. Um, Undertale does a great job of this. Uh, also, like Risk of Rain is like another good soundtrack that does this like to a fault. I mean, in, in, in a great way. <laughs> um, okay. And so, yeah, so I for me, the Meat Punks process was like a little bit different than my usual processes where... I got to just kind of sit for like two weeks and I was kind of just playing guitar in my spare time, which I actually hadn't been playing in a while. So it was both like really cathartic to get back into an instrument that I had kind of set down in recent history and also write music like away from the computer, kind of just sitting with my um, cell phone. Um, 
So once I had like a couple ideas that I liked and they were all based around this like sort of central uh, melodic idea, um, it was like a lot easier and clearer and I think really helpful for the process going forward to just base a lot of stuff off these like initial concepts. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Did you get to work? Did you do a lot of live recordings? You work a lot with MIDI? Um, I guess, yeah. Traditionally, I feel really comfortable working in MIDI and like a lot of my background background is in more like experimental electronic production, you know, stuff that includes like synths and uh, sampling and like electronic drums. But Me Punks, by contrast, was definitely a project where I was doing a lot more recording and a little outside of my comfort zone in a lot of ways in terms of how much guitar I was playing, being like a pretty self-taught guitarist. Um, and I did some like weird sort of extended technique recording of like random sounds off the guitars or random clinkings of things that we sampled in. Um, I sampled some percussion, uh, like me playing on the one snare drum I have, uh, like the sort of remnants of my childhood drum set um, <laughs> with brushes and just to things to like give it more of this kind of folky band feel, uh, which hopefully carries throughout. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, what about the banjo? Banjo's garage band. Okay. I think it's a really good sample. Like it's like if you have garage band or have a Mac, like I think it's better than the one that came with logic or contact. So, right. Um, I'm not too proud to never like get back into good old garage band instruments. One thing that I'm really excited about the album, and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do this at first, was um, all four. So there's the four main characters, Sam, Brad, Cass, and Liana. And uh, we really wanted to have different fight music for each one of them so that as you're selecting your characters for these different fight moments that you get treated to something kind of like inside their head or maybe what they would be listening to inside their mech or um, something like that. So we based each of those songs around the same structure so that the backbones and spines of those songs are the same, but the genres are different. And so getting to do like genre reinterpretations of the same like song, so to speak, 
um, was really fun and challenging in like a new way that I hadn't tried before. Um, and then the side effect of being able to do this is that you can uh, fade between all the songs. Um, so there's a couple, there's two points throughout the games where you can switch like in media res or in in the moment for uh, the characters and um, you get like a sort of seamless transition between the two genres, which I think is pretty cool. That was something that Heather coded in uh, because we were not using middleware for this project. That's really cool. Uh, where can people find the game? You can download Meepunks uh, at Heather's H page, which is just H-T-H-R, Heather with novels, dot itch, dot I-O. Awesome. So what else kind of stuff have you been up to this year? Other recent projects? This year, like, has been a pretty busy year for me. Um, I went to, like, some of my, like, the big conferences for the first time, like GDC, the Game Developers Conference out in San Francisco, and... The conference itself was okay, but like really just being able to meet a lot of folks, some of whom I had like interacted with on Twitter and some I got to meet for fir- the first time. It was like really um, important. Uh, I was just talking about this with my friend Amanda and like I think that was like a first time for me that I felt connected to like the larger games community, whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, GDC is like the big one. It is the big one. And, but specifically, there were like a couple smaller events like... Um, there was a trans like dev tea party um, where they literally served tea and cakes, and it was really great to be surrounded by like forty other trans developers um, all in the same room. Everyone was like pretty shy, and it was really adorable. And I hope that next year there's something similar because that'd be really awesome. Yeah. So uh, I am about to kick off working on this game called Maya Electric Heart. Um, actually, Manolo who worked on some of the audio design for Meat Punks um, is working on that too. So I'm excited to work with him again because he's really great. And it's about gay robots and slime um, and sea creatures. And uh, it's going to be really good, but I don't really fully know yet what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. So okay. uh, I'm also working on this combo racing game slash uh, physics educational game um, called Eigen Gauge um, that uh, I'll be able to write more like sort of Game Boy Advance chiptune stuff for, which nice. uh, I'm excited to get back into because it's been a minute since I've worked in like chip sounds. So that's been really great. Um, just overall, like I've worked on like a bunch of like small projects and some bigger ones, and I feel like the sort of uh, diversity of project size has been really healthy um, for me for sure. Yeah, awesome. And speaking of like the chiptune kind of retro sound, you do have some really good stuff in your portfolio uh, in that those kinds of genres. Thanks. You, and you have a, uh, you did the music for a game that's on the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blossom Tales. Blossom Tales, the Sleeping King. Um, he's so tired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so that was like for me, like what felt like my first game that I got to work on, and it's weird that that first one made it to the Nintendo Switch because. It's just very surreal and hard for my brain to fully wrap around. Um, It's awesome. uh, But so at the beginning of this uh, talk, like I mentioned that I had made some video gamey sounding music um, and some of that music, those albums were called songs from an unmade world. And I had placed it on a couple places like uh, Newgrounds or Congregator, whichever one has the music hosting and other internet archivey places um but also on free music archive and uh for some reason on free music archive way more than any of these other sites it got a lot of traffic um including the two uh initial devs from blossom tales um uh, uh so these guys rob and tyler emailed me and asked me if i wanted to potentially work on music for their game um it was kind of late in the process because they had had a composer that hadn't been able to finish it. So they were kind of, I guess, using some of my music already as like temps and then wanted to uh, see if I was free to do the rest of it. Um, so that was, yeah, really um, unbelievable. Um, and then uh, it ended up getting picked up by this publisher. Or, I mean, before they reached out to me, it had been picked up by FDG Entertainment, this German publisher, who were interested in porting it to the Switch. Um, because they had an early dev kit. And so it was like one of the first 20 or 30 indie titles to be put out on the Switch in like December of 2017. Right. Um, 
So because it got out super early, like there wasn't that much out yet, and I think it just got a lot more attention. I feel like things have gotten a little more saturated these days, making it harder for indies on the Switch. But we kind of snuck in at like this like really nice moment. Um, so like compared to the Steam release, which had been uh, like nine months earlier, um, the Switch release just got so much more attention. Um, and it basically felt like the game was coming out for the first time. switch titles yeah and then like yeah yeah it was just really surreal like i'm a pretty, pretty big fan of tim rogers and um seeing him play it on kotaku was just like what why what <laughs> and i just sat in a cafe and just was like blushing and beaming seeing him like talk through his experience playing it and yeah i'm just a huge dork i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so great though uh so could you just give us a quick uh like quick premise of what the game is it's got some pretty like classic style uh, inspiration behind it i think yeah it's heavily inspired by <laughs> link to the past um like on the aesthetic side like it really does uh share a lot in terms of its art and um uh even some of like the sprites are very similar to the link to the past stuff but it's the story about lily who's uh, a recently appointed knight of the uh rose and she's awesome uh she kicks total butt um the sort of uh couching for the game is that lily is a human like kid whose grandfather is telling her and her brother the story and so you're playing like inside of the story um and so the kids like get to interrupt and like change things along the way but um at its heart it's this like zelda style uh action adventure game and so zelda was like probably my most uh loved series growing up like Link's awakening and um i didn't have a nintendo 64 but like pretty much all the game boy ones especially the oracle zeldas i think are super underrated and um so i got to sort of touch on some of that music in the ways that i could i mean it was like a early project for me and i feel like i was still green and i feel like i am still green um so I feel like there's a lot I would do differently uh, if I got to do it all over again. Um, but uh, I'm proud of a lot of the work on that album um, for what it was at the time. Yeah, no, it's so cool. And really, that soundtrack is really, really great. You did a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Was it fairly collaborative process with those devs? What was it like working with them? So the, the working relationship was interesting because the devs were kind of at that point like, contracted by the publisher to finish the game and so the publishers had a lot of final say in terms of the content and the music i was making so i actually worked probably most close closely with Giannis at fdg entertainment who was like my boss he's my age and we're good friends he sort of and i were figuring out like the sounds and you know what needed improvement or what needed to be longer or maybe this track which i wrote for the the Celtic zone forest area should go into the swamp and you know, that sort of stuff. 
Awesome. Is it Celtic or Celtic? I really honestly forget all the time. I think it depends where you are. I say Celtic. Okay. All right. <laughs> then I'm right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned a series of tracks or a couple albums you did that were called Songs from an Unmade World. Yeah. I made those albums in 2015, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of my first time working in like chiptune sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I downloaded this plugin, which is free and it's still available. And I think it's still awesome for what it is. Um, it's the YMCK Magical 8-Bit Plugin. Um, or plug, I think they call it. Um, and it basically is like a, a light NES chip sound emulator. Um, so it has like a white noise channel and a triangle wave and two square waves. And you can just mess around with those and get cool sounds and cool delays. Um, yeah, so I pretty much only use that to make the first Songs from an Unmade World album. Yeah, I think there's just something about like the sort of texture and quality of those sounds that a lot of people really relate to and i think a lot of people are looking for like chiptune music for you know youtube videos or twitch streams and stuff like that so i think all of those like things form this weird perfect storm where a bunch of people listen to it and pass it around a little bit um and then so you end up making kind of a sequel to that um i don't know if you'd call it a sequel actually but songs from an unmade forest world yeah um so like last a year ago ish um I was, you know, I still had more free time and more, I don't know, songs itching to come out and I wasn't so busy at the time. And so uh, I got to sort of take that concept that I've been doing of like making like a sort of faux video game album, which is something I think a lot of composers have done at some point in their career. Um, I think it's a good exercise and like a good way to um, build your portfolio and in that sense. Um, Definitely. But I wanted to work in sounds that were like a little smoother, maybe like a little more in that like later video game era, but also that were just kind of more open-ended. Um, who has this really wonderful it's so good I really can't like gush enough about it um, uh, album called Mother Earth's Plantasia uh, and it's just like these beautiful weird warm synths and it feels very video gamey um, but he was just writing his like weird jazz fusion instrumental vibes um, to like create this like plant mood and I think he like specifically wanted people to play it to their plants to help them grow um <laughs> and so i took a lot of inspiration from that album because it's just so good sweet uh, you can't hear me but i'm nodding cool 
me as well. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear just a little bit about some of uh, some of these other projects you've done because you have quite a diverse range of cool, just different games and genres. Uh, like, am I getting the name right? Odd I C. Do you want to say a couple words with that one? Yeah, uh, there's this thing that you can do, and I would really recommend doing it if you can. Actually, there might be still a few tickets available for folks who are free in spring of 2019. Um, called the train jam indie train jam and it's a half cross-country train trip from chicago in the united states out to san francisco like leading up to gdc um where you take a gorgeous train ride and if you'd like to you can work on video games with folks on that train because it's literally packed head to toe with game developers um uh there's like 10 cars, nine cars of 300 game developers. It's amazing. <laughs> and no one else. And yeah. it's a little cabin fevery at times, um, but it was a really positive experience and was just like a really great way to go into my first GDC because you get to go in having met a bunch of people already and there's like a sense of community built in mm-hmm. um, and like a lack of sort of some of like the weird hierarchy that I think sometimes crops up where, you know, you have like a, developer that you really look up to and they seem really unapproachable if you run into them at an event or like maybe they're speaking at an event and like that's really intimidating but like in this setting everyone's kind of just sweaty on this train (laughs) and so it felt very leveling and um, nice so that was one of the games that i worked on on that train uh back in march I got to work on a project called Gay Monster Kiss Club, like at the beginning of fall, which was like another punk song. Like uh, Ryan Rose, who's at Gender Vamp on Twitter, hired me to like just write a punk song for a character that's performing the song like live in the game. And uh, I sang on the track, which is like not something I've done in a while, but like it's me as like the character Harley um singing this punk song at a punk show in this game which was like a weird new twist that i hadn't done and it was really really fun and they were super supportive and it's it was just really fun working with them one two three four my comrades pulled our cash together and bought us something nice then called up the store owner so's to test the merchandise. His underpaid employees began to cheer once they had seen the cutting edge device we bought from Adam Guillotine. Hey, bankers wanna seize our assets, maybe you'll think twice. Once you see this pizza pie we've got, we'd be glad to give a slice. The couple talks yourself at some of these game dev events as well right uh yeah um uh i did my first two talks last year um uh and i have a couple more coming up um already for 2019 so that's something i feel fairly comfortable doing Uh, i had like an acting background as a kid a little bit and so public speaking is mostly fun for me um and I appreciate like as a trans and non-binary person, like having the chance to 
maybe provide like a little bit of an insight into something that other folks in the industry maybe don't have access to because they don't know any trans or non-binary folks themselves or just to like sort of point out you know uh places where we can all improve as a community yeah that's so great are there how do you how are you feeling about the the game scene today where we've come i kind of got you know like i started like cluing into game politics uh for lack of a better term um like after the initial like gamergate wave had been subsiding um and so i think because of that because i didn't see like personally how bad it had gotten for so many people at that time i have a more optic optimistic view than like the average like woman or queer person in the industry um who you know i'm someone who hasn't suffered like systematic targeted harassment in ways that a lot of the folks who persisted through that time have um and so I personally am optimistic about things and I feel like things are moving in a good direction, but I know it is extremely easy for that uh, feeling of success to crumble away, um, especially when we have like AAA companies and folks who carry a lot of clout in the industry really not standing up for minorities, including folks of color and or women and or queer folks um like on the triple a side like big companies like rockstar or riot um have just been like shown to be kind of innately horrible um in the ways that we like would never want to be around i think as people who are trying to live more ethical lives um you know things like crunch and overworking or creating cultures that are like toxic and or abusive to specific groups of employees and then like you know people who we should be looking up to in the industry or who have a lot of say you know folks like notch who is consistently the worst <laughs> or yeah other big indies who you know find themselves i think really not going to bat for folks who are more at risk or more marginalized um it's kind of a letdown but I do think there are more folks who are trying to figure out how we can like link up and build a stronger and more inclusive and supportive community. And I think like that power there and like the work that Game Workers Unite is doing as an organization that's trying to figure out how we can unionize games. Um, it's all interconnected and uh, I think really important um, that everyone kind of pitches in a little bit in their own ways. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like we've come a long way but there's still quite a ways to go um but it's so great to hear from you about these different groups and communities that you've grown into and become a part of and also your contributions to i think it's like really also important to remind folks who don't experience like marginalization in the same way that like specific other groups do like you know and like here specifically i'm like talking about like cis dudes like for folks who fall into these more mainstream or more represented or groups that have more like power systematically to talk about these issues, like when they're amongst themselves. So like, if you're with a group of like, uh, cis white dudes at a conference, like how can you use that time in that conversation to have, uh, a conversation about like, how can you stand up for your like women developer friends who are at parties and experiencing harassment or experiencing belittlement or judgment based on the fact that they are being read as women um i think i think i just think it's like it's a it's it's easy to sometimes think that things will get better on their own but i think i really want to drive home the point that like we all have like our specific work and uh things that we can like always be thinking about and looking out for one another absolutely 100 percent um and that's my soapbox <laughs> yeah no appreciate it definitely agree mm -hmm. um and i don't know if there's anything else you'd like to, to talk about yourself or or about the scene or well, i'm actually i'm curious about your work because like one of the things you propose is that we do this game of bards mm -hmm. where we like we'll make a little uh melody and then swap and then write on each other's stuff a little bit um mm -hmm. and like what kind of stuff have you been listening to or like what uh what are some of the ways that you like to think about like composing music, I guess? Interesting question. Thank you for the question. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, now, right now I'm doing composition at Concordia here in Montreal. Um, and I'm composing kind of a classical or like orchestral piece. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also like play in a band. I play acoustic bass. So for me, 
you know, I listen to a lot of different stuff, some folk, some some prog or metal, some indie rock, all that kind of good stuff, classical. Um, when you say acoustic bass, are you talking like a stand-up bass or like a guitar, like acoustic bodied, like horizontal bass? Yeah, the latter, exactly. Oh, Not cool. stand-up. Okay. But, uh, so that's my main instrument. So. Whoa, that's so violin fems. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but so that the acoustic bass comes pretty naturally to me, so I can I can lay down a funk, you know, pretty easily. But over the past couple of years, when I've been focusing on composition, I've been kind of trying to self-train myself on piano, which, you know, I don't consider myself a great pianist. But like, yeah, I find like if I have if I'm composing something specific, I find it's always like there's like a barrier and I struggle so much to find like the thing or the melody or the hook, I guess. And then once that's cracked, things the ball starts rolling and it snowballs into hopefully something special but yeah it usually starts either on piano or bass or guitar and and these days these past couple weeks have been very much focused on my school uh orchestra composition yeah yeah i i'm like doing more orchestral work like through i just started a grad program um and it's very much not a comfort zone for me um so it's really interesting getting into that mindset and um Mm -hmm. Uh, thinking about, I guess, how sounds blend together in a much, you know, I feel like that's the orchestration part is like a big part. And I just really just feel like I don't know anything there. It feels like, like we were saying about games in general, uh, that it can become its own, can kind of take on a life of its own. And you're trying to help it find its voice or whatever it wants to become. And I've, I've just been finding on like the trying to write for orchestra that it's on such a huge level. There's all these moving parts and, it's just such a vast beast that you have to try to harness or something, I guess. Yeah. And also just like volume wise, it's like you're ready for so many instruments. It's, it's like, can be, I feel like for me, it's overwhelming. I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> uh, I, I had got to do the same opportunity a couple of years ago, uh, right for this, it's called the Orchestre de Lille in Montreal. Okay. Um, so it was through Concordia's for class. And I remember getting up, on stage when they were playing it live and the conductor saying to me this isn't how you write for orchestra <laughs> uh, what do you and what'd you do actually i took that piece was based off one of my band songs and we're like a kind of weird acoustic prog genre okay uh so that it was a little funny trying to translate that into an orchestra setting and it was cool. I mean, it was a great experience for me, totally. Uh, but I do remember there was like the timpani player, the violin ones, and the French horn players were like so not happy with the parts that I had written for oh them. Oh my gosh. Because they were just too high or like... When I was in this composition class, we were given the option like, do you want to write for orchestra or do you want to write for chamber music? Mm-hmm. And I thought like, shoot for the moon. Yeah. And I feel like I kind of missed that no, 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 two no. years ago. No, but no, no. You learned you a got, lot. That's you know, success. Yeah. You know, you learn by stumbling through the first time or first couple times. So I feel like I'm better poised this time around. Um, so, yeah, I hope my piece gets chosen. That's awesome. I hope it does, too. I, I relate to that in a lot because um, at the beginning of this fall, I started uh, orchestrating some of the Blossom Tales music for mm-hmm. an orchestra that my friend runs in New Jersey. Um, the Montclair nice. Game Symphony Orchestra, uh, run by Elisa Menes, who's awesome. And uh, yeah, I feel like I did a lot of things wrong, uh, Elijah. I feel like I'm gonna hand it over to Elisa, and like she's gonna look at it and be like, "Josie, what? <laughs> what were you smoking?" And um, yeah, it's gonna maybe. I think we're gonna like put it out in like the spring for their spring concert. Um, but I'm just really nervous. I'm gonna like triple check all my ranges and my voicings and uh i'm so nervous about it mm-hmm. sounds like you're doing it right thanks that's cool thanks. i mean at the very least the source material is super solid so you're on the right uh, footing that's you know? very kind of you <laughs> <laughs> so josie where can people find you um right now i'm in my apartment um mm-hmm in my room uh <laughs> so if they want to come to brooklyn my music is online um uh my bandcamp is visitor that's v-i-s-a-g-e-r dot bandcamp dot com um i feel like that's generally my most up-to-date source of like the things that i'm that are in the front and center of my mind um 
but I have more stuff like on my website, which is visitor.us uh, if folks want to go there as well. Um, it has some stuff like little explanations about the projects or whatever. Awesome. Or I'm on Twitter. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter too. Mm-hmm. Josie, it's been such a pleasure to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Elijah, thanks for talking to me and reaching out. And I'm excited to do our game of bards, which I guess maybe will be featured after this in the podcast when it happens. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Game of bards. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. Likewise. For this episode's Game of Bards, <laughs> Josie and I both wrote a unique solo melody that we sent to each other. Then we took each other's melody and orchestrated on top of it. Here's the melody that I wrote. And here it is with Josie's orchestration on top. Here's the melody Josie wrote. And here it is with my instrumentation on top. That was a fun game of bards. I really like what Josie did, and I had such a great time talking with her. That wraps up episode three. Thanks so much for listening. You can find Josie's music at visager.us as well as at visager.bandcamp.com. Follow at Visager Music on Twitter and you can follow the podcast at Game of Bards. Our logo art is by Anna DeChico. Find her art at dechicoanna.com. Feel free to check out the Game Workers Unite page at gameworkersunite.org. I'm Elijah Fish. See you next time.